This podcast is brought to you by Proton Dealership IT, the cybersecurity and IT experts committed to keeping your dealership safe from cyber attacks. To learn more about how to better protect your dealership, go to info.protontex.com slash fish. That's I-N-F-O.P-R-O-T-O-N-T-E-C-H-S dot com slash P-H-I-S-H. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, October 13th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News here in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, UAW President Sean Fain says the strike is entering a new more unpredictable phase. Ford says it has reached its limit on UAW contract proposals. And President Biden announces seven sites that will get a share of $7 billion for hydrogen hub projects. Plus, Automotive Apprenticeship Group CEO Joe Atkinson joins the show to talk about his company's program for dealership service techs. It's a two-year program. It's like a two-year job interview. And how often Do you get to hire someone where you know everything about them? Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. UAW President Sean Fain says he will no longer set regular deadlines to escalate the strike against the Detroit Three. On his regular weekly live stream to members, Fain indicated that little progress was made during negotiations in recent days, but he did not announce an immediate expansion of the now four-week-old walkout. So today I'm not announcing any further strikes. Instead, I'm announcing a new phase in the stand-up strike. Moving forward, we will be calling out plants when we need to, where we need to, with little notice. The union on Wednesday unexpectedly shut down Ford's largest and most profitable assembly operation, the Kentucky Truck Plant in Louisville, after Fain said the automaker refused to make progress at the bargaining table. A top Ford executive says the company had reached the limit of what it could offer the UAW economically in a new labor contract. But Ford Blue President Kumar Galholtra says the automaker still hopes it can reach an agreement that meets some of the union's priorities. Ford's most recent offer to the UAW includes raises totaling 23% for hourly employees, reinstated cost of living adjustments, and a $21 an hour starting wage for temporary workers. It also would get new hires to top wages in three years instead of eight. Galholtra told reporters Thursday that the automaker can't improve that offer without becoming uncompetitive. We have reached our limit. We've actually stretched ourselves to get to this point. When I say we're working to get this done, we're open to moving some money around within the deal uh, that might fit the union's needs better. But broadly speaking, from an overall cost of the deal perspective, yes, we're there. UAW President Sean Fain addressed that statement head on during today's live stream. You know, I found a pathetic irony in that statement. You know who's reached their limit? The tens of thousands of Ford workers with no retirement security. You know who stretched themselves? The Ford workers who didn't get a single raise for a decade. So far, the strike, which began September 15th, involves 34,000 out of the 146,000 UAW members across the Detroit Three. 
according to our tally at Automotive News, about 8,000 additional workers, including those at suppliers, have been laid off. Meanwhile, workers at one of Ford's electric vehicle battery plants will get better pay than first expected. Ford's joint venture with SK On, Blue Oval SK, said this week that it's boosting top wages at planned electric vehicle battery plants in Kentucky and Tennessee amid the UAW push for better pay and benefits at such facilities. The company said hourly pay will range from $21 to $37.50, depending on a worker's experience and duties. The company previously had said wages would be $21 to $29 per hour. The company said production operators will start at $21 an hour. Maintenance technicians will make $28.50 to $37.50 an hour, depending on experience. And a newly created associate maintenance technician job will pay $24 to $27.75 an hour, depending on experience. Battery plants have become a sticking point in the ongoing negotiations between the UAW and Detroit 3. Union President Sean Fain says he wants a just transition to EVs and has railed against what he says is a deliberate strategy by the automakers to use joint ventures to pay lower wages than at vehicle assembly or powertrain plants. And President Joe Biden and U.S. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm on Friday are expected to unveil the seven projects selected to split $7 billion in funding to create regional clean hydrogen production hubs across the U.S. Biden and Granholm are slated to visit Pennsylvania later today to make the announcement at the Tioga Marine Terminal at the Philadelphia port. The administration says that's a key end user of hydrogen. Of the 79 concept papers submitted to the Energy Department, seven hubs representing 16 states were selected. The funding is part of a larger $8 billion hydrogen hub program funded through 2021's Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. It will be used to create networks that link hydrogen producers, infrastructure providers, and customers across multiple industries, including transportation. You can find out the locations of the Hydrogen Hub projects and more details at autonews.com. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, UAW President Sean Fain says the strike is entering an unpredictable phase. What does that actually mean? And have we seen anything like this before? You know, we really haven't other than, you know, this week. You know, he said it today with his words on the live stream, whether you watch it on Facebook, YouTube, whatever. He said it uh, with his words very clearly today. But he said it with his actions very clearly on Wednesday when Ford thought they were just going to have another meeting or maybe they were really close to hammering out a deal. And instead, they got smacked in the face with this big strike against, you know, really important plant. So he's shown, I mean, he felt like and what he said felt like the automakers kept waiting until Friday mornings to get back to him with a counteroffer. So now he's saying, hey, bring it now. Let's get going or you're going to start feeling the pain and you're not going to know when it's coming. The soap opera continues. Coming up, Automotive Apprenticeship Group CEO Joe Atkinson joins the show to talk about the dealership service tech shortage and how his company is trying to help solve it. That's next on Daily Drive. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating. But is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril, but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities. No more hesitancy, no more excuses, 
no more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future. And we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is, is GM believes in an all-electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but, but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they came around to that idea. Find out how and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Email phishing happens every day. Cyber criminals are out to trick your employees and coworkers into handing over valuable information that can compromise your dealership through impersonations, fake giveaways, and urgent emergency requests. All it takes is one click to shut down everything. Phishing is the leading cybersecurity concern for dealerships. Without the proper training and protection, your business is left vulnerable to ever-evolving attacks. One day you click an email, and the next thing you know, you get a call from your IT guy. Your email has been compromised, shut down immediately. Stories of attacks and their consequences come flooding in every day. And all it takes is one click to shut down your dealership. You have enough to worry about as it is. Don't add getting hacked to the list. Let Proton Dealership IT help ensure you are fully protected and learn how at info.protontext.com fish. That's I-N-F-O P-R-O-T-O-N-T-E-C-H-S dot com slash P-H-I-S-H. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Joe Atkinson thinks the age-old practice of apprenticeships can help solve the dealership service technician shortage. Atkinson is the CEO of Automotive Apprenticeship Group. He spoke with Automotive News Senior Editor Dan Shine about how a two-year dealership apprenticeship would work. Joe, great to see you. Thanks for joining me. Well, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. So we want to talk about technician shortage, and, and we write about it a lot in Automotive News and the Service and Parts uh, email newsletter. comes out every Thursday. Sign up if you haven't signed up yet. That's my shameless plug. But it's, it's, it's an ongoing problem. People have all sorts of ways that they want to try and combat it. And in fact, we're working on a story for next Monday's paper on a program in Houston that's taking foster youth who have kind of aged out of the foster program and trying to turn them into technicians. And, and so there's not a lack of trying for, for this. But I guess to start off, you've, you've been in the auto industry a long time. Tell me what, it, what the kind of the impact it has when, you're not, when you don't have a full staff of service technicians. Well, each empty lift in a dealership represents a significant loss in revenue each month and annualized. That number's huge for dealers. We are going into uh, to shops around uh, the various markets we're in, and uh, we're seeing at times 20% capacity on lifts. It's impacting how we care for our customers. It's obviously impacting our, our profit and revenue and our ability to reinvest in, in, in our organizations. And it's not getting better. Uh, right now, uh, statistically, there's a shortage of nearly 800,000 technicians in the U.S. And that number's going to grow to 900,000 by 2026. It's not going to get better. 
At the same time, we have techs aging out at a rapid rate when fixed operation significance for our organizations is going to grow. So this is a big challenge and it's going to take some forward thinking dealers and some top-down commitments to find new paths. And I see the new battleground for dealerships uh, being the competition for technicians and technician talent and having the people yeah. in your your workforce to to address customer needs. Now, that, like I mentioned, there's all sorts of efforts out there and there's even, you know, kind of growing your own where you get your master senior techs to kind of take the young young guys and uh, young loop techs under their wing and kind of show them the ropes and that can be, those can be fruitful and, and great relationships and they, and they work in some instances, but I know that you wrote a, a guest column for us recently about apprenticeships, you know, kind of the, you think about the old fashioned apprenticeships of, you know, electricians or plumbers. Um, tell me a little bit about your company's approach to apprenticeships and, and how you think it might be the solution. So we're AEG is hyper-focused on one thing and that's providing great text for the industry. I've been in the industry and worked with it and in it for decades, and this has always been a challenge. What we do is we take all the major pain points off a dealership's desk. We handle all recruitment, employment. Uh, we have educational and job training, job placement. We cover the insurance. And the foundation of what we do is we have dedicated field mentors who are out working with the apprentices to ensure they're, they're moving forward. It's a competency-based program registered with the U.S. Department of Labor. But for the dealer, it uh, reduces risk in a number of ways, financially, cultural fit, training, and efficiency obstacles. We tell the apprentices it's a two-year program. It's like a two-year job interview. And how often do you get to hire someone where you know everything about them, how proficient they are, how competent? what factory search they have, and how they fit culturally within your organization. And we believe that apprenticeship can play a significant role in addressing this shortage of technicians in the U.S., as it has for other countries. And I think the U.S. automotive industry now has not the only path, but a new path to consider training people to the processes they value and ensuring that People are able to find brighter career paths in the automotive industry. This is an, an incredible industry. And I would think there's so many people who are looking for paths to get in and, and apprenticeship can bring them to us. So tell me a little bit about how it works. So I'm say I'm the owner of Dan's Buick GMC uh, and I'm, but I could use, you know, I know I'm going to four or five guys are retiring soon. I, I need to add a few more technicians to my stable. I come to you and say, Joe, help me. What What's the process like? So what we do is we recruit within 30 minutes of a dealership to make sure that the uh, the technician apprentice can get to work on time. We, we then recruit on behalf of what you're looking for. Now, these are entry-level positions. These are people looking to get in. And one of the things we do with our apprentices is we provide them with starter tools, laptop, all of that. So we work. We uh, put them through the interview process. For every 100 people we interview, about 12 to 15 will make it into our program. We have different mechanical assessments and behavioral assessments we do. We are looking for career-minded people. I believe statistically that if someone who participates in an apprenticeship, that 83% of those stay with a company for five years. So once uh, we have candidates available, the dealer uh, gets to choose who they interview. They interview them 
And once they decide who is the right fit for the organization, we then put them through uh, employability skills training, onboarding, we get them ready, and we even show up with them on their first day of work to make sure everything runs smoothly, and we get them started. We provide reporting to let you know how they're advancing in terms of their competencies, and we provide educational reporting as well, so the dealer knows exactly what that journey looks like for their apprentice, and they see it in the shop. It, It happens in stages. They'll start needing direct supervision. And by the end of the program, they're working unsupervised under lifts. And the the thing that works well for our our dealer partners is, you know, it doesn't take long for our apprentices to start turning profitable customer pay hours that not only pays for the cost of the apprentice being in their shop, but also accelerates the pace of revenue in these dealerships. So after the two month, I mean, two year tryout uh, job interview, and I say, okay, this person's great. I'm going to hire him or her. And then is our relationship over after that? It'd be like we're no, now kind that, of that's where the that's where the the real journey begins because you know these these apprentices and, and we've already had some who've completed the program. They're with the dealers that they participate in an apprentice with. The dealer gets to hire them. They know exactly what their skill levels are. They can pay them at a rate that's that's fair for both parties. And they start that journey of making this their next five, 10, 20 year technician. So I'm guessing that Dan's Buick GMC is going to have to pay you a little bit for your, for your services. Is there a a range or a a kind of a ballpark figure on on what the costs are? Yeah. What we do is we don't charge a, a cost to participate or a cost. Once the person starts, we charge an hourly rate, for each hour that apprentice is working in your shop. So if they're working a 40-hour week, we charge an hourly rate for each uh, hour. What does that cover? That helps us cover their wage, insurance costs, and other costs, uh, our recruiting, all the things, our field uh, support. And at the end of the day, they only pay for hours that an apprentice works in their shop. Okay. And you've talked to a lot of these young people. Is there any kind of insights that you've kind of gleaned on what motivates them i mean that to you know they they say it's really hard to kind of get some of these young people interested in in a career like this what have you kind of learned about them that maybe kind of that they're looking for well probably the most encouraging thing i've i've seen is there are people who are very career-minded and they want to work they just didn't know how and they didn't want to take on the debt of technical school or they weren't in a position where they could take on that debt so we offer them a path with no, because there's no cost to them if they make it in the program. Uh, we've removed every obstacle to participation. We are seeing a lot of folks who are very focused. There are times where we're doing recruitment events or recruitment campaigns, and we're having 120, 150 people apply over a four-day period. And then we go through the, the vetting process. So there are people who are looking for a path into the industry. They like technology. So we look at uh, gaming. We actually, in our assessment, we have virtual reality goggles we use. And we will watch someone do an oil change. And we can watch someone do a brake job and, 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 and see how well they move and how comfortable they are going through that process. A lot of them are car enthusiasts. They just love cars. They they don't see themselves working in a factory or working in a corporate office setting. 
they just like being part of a team and automobiles do it for them. What parts of the country are you AAG operating in right now and where are kind of some of you're looking to expand to? So right now we are active in the Midwest, Indianapolis, Cincinnati, Louisville, and we're expanding here. Uh, where we've launched in Dallas and that's going very well. And we'll be going into other Texas markets. Uh, we will launch in Northern California later this year and then in Southern California in early 2024. And we'll also be looking at Florida uh, later this year. And uh, in 2024, the second quarter of next year, we'll be look, going into Atlanta and other major markets. Okay, that's great. And really interesting approach. I'm glad to have that conversation with you. Joe, great talking with you. Thanks for the time. I really appreciate it. No, I appreciate the opportunity. We're looking to help bring brighter careers to a lot of young people and and simultaneously help solve an issue for the U.S. automotive in, uh, industry. Um, I, and, and I think apprenticeship is a great path for us to achieve both those goals. Yeah, so I think so. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dan. Joe Atkinson is the CEO of Automotive Apprenticeship Group. He spoke with our own Dan Shine. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Michael Martinez and Audrey LaForest for their reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on the UAW strike, retail, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.